Hello, hello, hello. So welcome to the new episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So hope you had an amazing Christmas and you got spoiler rotten. Hopefully you enjoyed the extra food, the festivities, the extra drinks and are feeling good. And today's episode, no one may listen to this episode, which is cool. But I just wanted, before I go into the episode, um, this is kind of like a mindset episode and just a normal random, random, random rambles, random rambles, that's a word, um, episode. So I want to talk about the Female Fatless Program. It starts on the 8th of January. So you have about 10 days, 11 days before it starts. So some of the feedback that has come back in from the last one is, I love the program. It's the healthiest and most positive program I've ever been part of. I've had a, a, a lot of weight to lose and sign up for my third round in January. The scales have gone down, but I think the mental wins have been my favorite part. That's someone who has lost 22 pounds. The next one is the Female Fatless Program has been an absolute game changer for me. I actually feel like I'm living my life again rather than constantly watching what I am eat, eating and drinking and feeling guilty for the week and restricting myself from enjoying the weekend. So you can see there are a lot of wins. The program has been an absolute game changer for me. I actually feel like I'm living my life again. The program has given me peace of mind. The biggest win for me is having energy and motivation. The next one is notice improvement in my mood, my fitness, and my overall movement. It's been transformable. I've really enjoyed it. I was hoping to get to this point and never thought I would. Now there are five or six or seven messages that I've got from people in the group since the Female Fatless Program started. So if you wanna work with me for eight weeks, tailored coaching, tailored nutrition, tailored macros, recipe books, weekly lives, Facebook group, accountability, motivation, and get you away from those stupid fad diets that a lot of people will go for in January. And make this the last time you ever have to do something and get rid of food guilt, break away from yo-yo dieting, and make sure this is the last one. Now, I'm not promising you the world. I'm promising you the changes that will happen if you implement the things that I'm going to teach you. Not tell you, but teach you. The program is 99 euro for eight weeks of coaching. That's less than half a cup of coffee a day that you're probably spending anyway. So if you're interested in signing up, click on the link in the show notes or DM me. You can book your space now. There's about five spaces left before the end of the year. That space is yours if you click on the link in the show notes. So now it is a random episode that I'm going to do. And it is things that I have changed my mind on over the course of, I am six years in business in February. Yeah, February, end of January, February. And I've changed my mind on an awful lot of things and changed the way I've coached and changed the way I deal with things in general and changed my mindset an awful lot on different elements. Obviously still an awful lot of work to do on what I do and my mindset in general. But I know one of the biggest things that, from a coaching capacity, one of the biggest things that I've changed my mind on from when I first started on the gym floor to where I'm at now is, number one is that it's not that people don't want it enough. So I know when I first started coaching that when someone came into me for PT, or people came into me looking for nutrition advice and people were struggling with the with the whole thing. I was so naive and I f feel that 
I kind of felt that, oh, this person doesn't want it enough, so they're not going to do it to it. So it's definitely their problem. And took no accountability. I took no acknowledgement that it could be a coaching issue. It could be a me issue. That I went in with a level of arrogance that thought that it was just going to be plain sailing and that people are not creatures of habit. That every single person is completely different. That every single person has different struggles, mindset issues, health, mental health issues, health marking issues. And that we lose rationale when life ramps up or we can get stressed and we have different reactions. It's behavioral things, it's awareness pieces, it's grief, tra- trauma, all these kind of different pieces. And I was one of those people that thought, well, if Mary down the road just doesn't want it enough, I'm just going to drop her as a client. Now, that was not a very clever business model. And I was 30 when I joined face-to-face PT. Yeah, I was a little bit later than what most people are. And you can see the people up on social media now who are making absolute fortunes from in their early 20s. One, they've got the hack of the algorithm and they're very good at marketing, which is amazing and massive credit to them. And sometimes it can be now that at the minute it's not even about knowing how to coach. It's about being able to market yourself. And sometimes that whole thing of being young and understanding social media a lot more can really, really be a benefit and a massive benefit. But it can also be a false facade for some. And this is not coming from a jealousy point of view. I'm quite content with what I have right now. So I don't want to be coming across as a jealous twat. I'm quite content with what I have. I have roof over my head, healthy, fit, mental health is good right now. I don't want to lose hold of that. I'm not prepared to, for the sake of an algorithm or anything like that, to grow to a point where I can't handle anything like that. I'm not prepared to do all that. Yes, I want to be able to have a pension and like that's where I'm at right now. That's where I have to start thinking because I'm getting old. But one of the big things is when I thought when people kind of came in, they were like, oh, I don't want enough. And I was wondering why they couldn't stick with anything. Because I thought that everyone had to count calories. I thought that everyone wanted to be shredded. Everyone had a great relationship with food. I didn't. The whole relationship with food thing didn't even cross my mind when I was a face, face PT for the first until I moved to the second gym because I started to surround myself with better people. I started to surround myself with better coaches. And then I realized that a lot of people have an awful lot of, a lot of things kind of going on in their lives and their lives aren't about fitness and health that they don't have all the time in the day. They don't have all the time in the day to prep all their meals. They want quick and easy substitutions or solutions to their problems. It's not that they, they don't want it enough. It's probably sometimes that they can actually want it too much. And that comes at the detriment of it, that they try to think that they have to be perfect with every single thing. And for some people, perfection can be an easy way of of kind of accepting that quitting is just repetitive. And sometimes like perfection is one of these things that it's this inability to accept that you are actually human. And that can really, really impact on people that they have this from grief, trauma, bullying, parents childhood abuse whatever it may be that it can come down to this piece of that they have to feel that they match up to something perfection work doesn't work works in great ways don't get me wrong you can have it in careers and all these kind of stuff but at what stage does that start to impact on your health and your mental health like if you're you can't have a meal without food guilt then it's not a healthy relationship with food if you are constantly thinking about your body for more than that one hour a day on how you look and how you feel. 
that's not a great position to be in. And that's not me coming from an arrogant place of view. That's a sign of something else is, is going on. If you're someone who is someone who's maybe numbing themselves with food more often than not, well, that's also not a great place to be. But that's not me sitting here on my ivory tower. That's something that I have had to work on myself. So I'm not coming from an arrogance point of view. I've been where most of you are right now. I've been the person who would be overweight, unhappy, maybe not happy with how they look, not happy with how they feel. The mental health is struggling. Maybe using as food or alcohol as a numbing agent. I've been there. But it's 100% not down to not wanting it enough. Sometimes, as I said, it can be, can be coming down to people wanting it too much. And that wanting it too much is that they'll do try to do five sessions a week, one week and nothing the next week, the five sessions the following week, and then they wonder why they're sore and struggling all the time. Or it could be that they think they have all meals prepped one week and none the next week, and they wonder why they can't stick to it. And some people could be so wanting that scales or that metric on the weighing scales to be going down so much that it comes at the cost of every other thing, the cost of living, the cost of health around them, the impact on others that are around them. So whenever I'm talking to someone I can be quite direct when I'm talking to clients, but it's something that I'm working on. It's something that I, it's, it's my, it's direct in a nice way. It's not direct in an arrogant way or a dickhead way. It's asking questions in a way that makes you think why you do things. Because if you're able to understand why you do things, they're easier to reduce or easy to understand where they're coming from and you can reduce them or keep them going. So if you understand why you bored a meat, rather than say I'm an emotional eater or a boredom eater, it's understanding why you do that. Because you're neither of those. We have to look at why, why, why do we boredom eat when food's not going to solve the boredom? Because we don't like sitting still. Why don't we like sitting still? Because maybe my parents told me that to be sitting still is a waste of a day or it's not good enough. So we're trying to get that validation acceptance from our parents. And then that's proceeded onto the food and projected onto the food. So everything that we do and every mechanism that we have or behavior or habit is there as a mechanism. So when people are saying that they're being hard on themselves and kind of like, well, why are you being hard on yourselves? Well, and most people say, I don't know, I just do it. It's like, well, you do know why you do it. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. And more often than nothing, it's a control thing. It's a control thing of, it's a control thing of trying to put yourself down before anyone else can. So you may have been bullied or trauma or grief previously in your life. I can relate to that one. I was horribly, horribly, horribly bullied in my youth and in my teenage years. So sometimes we can feel that we have to go and above and beyond people for people in order to get validation or social acceptance. When that reality, that's not going to happen. That's where that people pleasing tendency can come from. Now, I know myself, people can use that word, I'm a people pleaser. It's like, no, you're not a people pleaser. You're looking for acceptance and validation. And I would have identified as someone who was a people pleaser in the past. And the big thing that I would kind of say is, it's not that people don't want it enough. Sometimes they want it too much. But you need to look at, right, what do you actually have right now? What are you proud of? What are your values? So an exercise that you can do right now is, in rank these in order of one to five, one being most important. Finance, family, fun, fitness and health, and focus is your mental health. 
So rank those in order, fun, family, fitness, finance, and focus. Rank them in order. My guess is the family is number one, fitness and health is around three, finance is probably two or four, and fun is probably five. And then you need to ask yourself, right, am I living my life according to my values? And more often than not, this leads into my next point, people are winging it. So you look at, right, what you're doing right now with your life and asking yourself, right, am I actually living the life that I actually value? And your values can change over time. Fun was a massive element for me back in the, the days and finance was a big thing for me and I've kind of, it kind of dips in and out depending on the time of the year and how much pressure I put myself under and the drive and stuff like that because I realized since I started becoming, since I was self-employed that I can't push it or keep the foot on the accelerator all year round. It's not, it's unreasonable to expect that. So I know from maybe experience, maybe getting a little bit older and using a lot more perspective that I can look at the accounts over the last kind of six years and kind of say to myself, right, I know when work is going to be busy so I can ease off here. Obviously, I need to work with the clients that I have and I love working with my clients. But I also know that now might not be the time to be taking on a whole load of new one-to-ones or opening up the female fat loss group. But I know that my busy period are a certain amount of months. My quiet period is these two or three months. And now I know my busier period ramps up again. My work is very seasonal. So the second thing that I'm gonna talk about is people are winging it. The biggest thing I can see, and most people are doing their best, and that's kind of linking in with winging it. We don't have all the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers, but people can think that they have all the answers or they think that they need to have everything sorted now and then. We don't. We can put an unreasonable amount of pressure on ourselves and it can drive us up the wall. It can drive us insane with with unreasonable expectations on ourselves and unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And then when, when we can't match up to those, we beat ourselves up. We shame ourselves, which is saying I'm a bad person for doing them. And that spirals. And then we beat ourselves up and our self-worth and self-esteem drops down. That's essentially how that pattern repeats itself. But if you were to actually manage and look at, right, what can you do? So say if it's coming to, I'll talk about, say, your, your training or nutrition or losing weight start coming in January, right? A lot of people will start to go on diets in January. But what most people try, tend to do in January because they're trying to undo everything they have done. But all you're trying to do is make memories. And if you've overeaten, good. If you've overdrank, good. But that doesn't mean you have to try to undo your whole month or two weeks in the space of a week or two weeks because it's unrealistic you're going to make yourself bankrupt by doing that you can't enjoy yourself i guess and i know january is quieter people don't get paid for six seven weeks whatever it may be and they may not have finances to go up and go out that's why it can be easier to lose weight but your motivation starts to waver because you've gone on restrictive diets and motivation is generally mood it should be called motivation. So when your mood drops completely to the floor, you're tired, lethargic, stressed, you tend to drop the tools that work for you. So you tend to wing it. You drop the things of like maybe having regular meals, keeping some sort of structure. You tend to wing it that bit more and dropping what's working for you because, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's cool. That happens. 
But if that's your mechanism every time, it's they're the day the days that you don't want to do things and the days that your moods are lower are the ones that make the difference. The perfect days that people think that will happen all the time, they very seldom happen. The days that make the difference when I'm talking to clients and the ones that they learn the most from are the days that actually don't go right. So I know when I'm talking with clients and I'm looking at their, particularly the one-to-one clients, I'm looking at their food diaries or pictures of their food. I more often than not, I will ask is like, how would you review that day? And sometimes I can see clients kind of like, oh, I thought I did really well here. I'm like, no. I can almost feel them kind of second guessing themselves and that I'm trying to catch them out. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get them to look at, right, have I done everything I possibly can? Tick. Have I done the best I can? Tick. That's all you can do. And if there's something that didn't go right, I'd be like, well, if you were to relive that day again, what would you do differently? But it's not from a place of judgment. It's from a place of perspective. It's not an emotional thing. It's not an irrational thing. It's perspective. So every single one of us is absolutely winging it. Absolutely winging it. And there's an element of things need to be planned. Like I know the biggest struggles I had when I was training was when I was just winging programs and not had no structure in my training. And I was wondering why I was getting no results. Shock. There was also elements of when I had the bit, when I have the business and I know when or what is coming up in that next month or I go into scarcity mode when there's not enough one-to-one clients coming in or there's not enough clients coming in or not enough applications coming in and kind of like well what is enough what have you got so far and I'm kind of like sometimes I check take a step back and say look where you started at six years ago you would have killed right now to have the what you have right now and then that makes me check in on myself and saying Shane chill so I'm doing my best is my best the best I can do sometimes yes sometimes I know I can be better but it comes at a cost sometimes and I'm not prepared to go down that mechanism of of trying to push myself into a ground again I've had burnout three times in six years from trying to be everything to everyone and not enough to myself it's taken me three times to do that. There are times where my life ramps up. But there are also times where I need to take a break away. And my long-term clients know me now. They're like, they can see the signs. And I can see the signs as well because I stop eating. My mood goes, my sleep goes. So I know the signs. And I know when I need to take the foot off the gas. Like this year... 2023 was the first year I took two weeks off in the whole year with no laptop or no phone for the full two weeks. One week in May, one week in November. And I plan to do the same again next year. That's my plan. I have it up on my board in front of me here and I have like a vision board and I use it as a way to check in on myself. Am I being on target with myself. I set goals each year and I try to attain to them. I hit about 80% of my goals last year, or sorry, in 2023. I didn't make 20% of them, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I looked at the 20% that I didn't hit and I was looking at them through a lens of perspective. And I was kind of like, I didn't really prioritize them. I didn't have any strategy or plan to bring them in. I didn't really have any 
drive to actually do them. I just put them on a board because I thought I thought that's what I should do. That's what I should be doing. They had no real directive. I didn't do anything about them. I just left them there and hoped they would happen or manifest them to where they or where they should be or where I thought they would go. And that's me being honest. I didn't hit 100% of my goals and I'm okay with that. I'm happy with the 80% that I got because they were more about making memories this year. They were more about who I was with this year. And maybe I'm getting old and sappy and soft. But also there was financial goals there and I hit them. There was about there was understanding that I had to rec- check in on myself again because since I got the house in 2021, I took the foot off the gas with finance goals and I needed to, to kind of rebuild that up not from scratch, but I need to rebuild it up. So I got it back to where I was and know that I'm in a safe place. I brought in another coach to help me out. And that's been great. That's helped me out and being able to navigate those and facilitate those times that I'm away. But I've also realized that I don't need a huge amount of clients in order to make a, a, an okay living. I've also realized that the football piece is really important to me to get out and to be social. So it's important for me to be able to have that interaction and have that social interactions with people. It's important for me to have gotten away a couple of times this year. I've already got one booked in for, or two trips for booked in for 2024 already. No, three trips booked in for 2024 already. And my plan is to potentially go away around six times. That could be a breakaway, that could be a weekend away, but six times. And that's not me tooting my own horn. That's coming from a place of, I put myself in the back burner for the first four years, I would say. And I was winging it. I was hoping this would happen. I'm hoping this would happen. But I've had to fucking work hard to where I'm at. And sometimes it comes at a cost. So one of the big things is people are winging it. And that's okay. You don't need to have everything sorted. I don't have everything sorted. I thought that I needed to have X, Y, Z, kids, house, marriage, all that kind of stuff by 30. I'm 36 now. And I have the house. I have a decent, secure job that fulfills me. I have my mental health. I have the people around me who I want to be around. And that's all that I need. And that leads me into the next one. Be careful who you spend your time with. I know myself when I was kind of growing up and I spoke about the bullying element there that one of the big things that people can struggle with is this need to fit in. And don't get me wrong, we can all get sucked into it. We can really, really can. And it's important for us to kind of realize that we're, we all want acceptance. We all want to kind of like to fit in. Like it, it's a normal human need. And I think it's important to look at where you're looking for it from. It might not it might not come from someone that you're looking for. You don't need it. You want it, but it's very, very different. You don't need it. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy. That's why people do things for other people, to make themselves feel warm and fuzzy. You feel a sense of need, a gratification and acceptance when you give money to charity or you do something for someone else. There's not just things a thankless, thankless action. Now that might be sound morbid or ungrateful or whatever the word is, but that is the truth. You get more out of giving money to charity. The charity obviously does amazing work. I don't want you to stop doing that, but maybe it's a negative place I'm looking from, from. But a lot of people, including myself, we all want this acceptance piece. 
but it's acceptance from who? Like I look at my circle from where I was seven years ago. Like April 2017 is where my health went to shit. Blood clots, fluid in my lungs, was gonna kill myself in June, end of June, beginning of July 2017. And I look at the circle I had then to where I am now. Very, very different. It's a lot smaller, which can be a blessing and a curse sometimes. And I have to be careful not that I, that I don't go completely inward. But I know those people around me that I keep in that kind of three or four people in my circle. They, I'm lucky in a way that they check in on me and then they can see that I'm going a bit with, more withdrawn. That I'm not talking about things. That I'm blocking things up. So I'm really careful who I let in. Like I have made friends up on social media but they're social media friends i've also made people like i have made friends in the gym i've made friends playing football i made friends doing loads of different things but i'm really protective of who i let in i'm quite an introvert and that shocks a lot of people i'm not very good in big environments like i know in about two weeks i've got the first ever client face-to-face um meetup it's all the, whoever comes from the female fat loss group and then some of my one-to-ones. We're going to go for a hike. We're going to go for coffee and have a bit of crack. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go for a hike on a Sunday and do that. But I'm careful who I, who I spend time with. I want to spend time with them because they're people who are going out of the way and they want, they want to talk. They want to be open. They've been on journeys and I'm, I'm blessed to be part of their journey. And there are other people who don't feel that they need that right now. And that's cool. But I want to build a community with people and like-minded people that people will enjoy and grow and grow in. And I've already had people, a couple of people who work abroad and live abroad who can't make the one in January. They want to one in the summer because they'll be back in Ireland in the summer. Now that's huge. Like to have that already is huge. And that's a sign that I was playing around with that for about a year and a half of getting that going. So to have those messages coming in already that people, it's the right fit. The, the, the brand is where it's at right now, where it's it's at a place where that community is being built. And that's what I wanted. It's taken a long time to get it to where I want, but it's huge. But I care for who I spend time with. I struggle to be fake. At times I can be quite forthright with my opinion sometimes i can be a little bit more withdrawn i struggle in massive environments of people so like i know i have the lads christmas dinner in like eight days or nine days i can't remember when it is even though i'm organizing it and i will struggle in that environment even though they're lads i've known for 14 15 years i will struggle in that environment because i get so overwhelmed with the amount of people are talking and all that kind of stuff i get involved i get overwhelmed and it's christmas day my dad's one and nine. So it's all the cousins, all that. They, that kind of, that can be overwhelming too. But I'm careful who I spend time with because there can be energy sappers out there that are in it for a reason. They're, they're not authentic. There's, and I'm careful who I, sp- I say things to that are impacting me. 
I will only share a few things and that leads to me another one. I can be better at communicating. I can be 100% better. I would class my, classify myself as not a great communicator. And people are like, what are you talking about? It's like, you should talk about it all the time. It's like, no, no, I can be better. Because I know that there are things that in my head that I haven't said to anyone. There are things in my head I probably won't ever say to anyone. Because maybe I'm not ready to share it yet. Maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I don't want to. Maybe I don't feel the need to. Maybe I'm just not ready to do that yet. But I can be a better communicator. I can be a better coach. I haven't got this sorted at all. As I said, I'm winging it. There are clients who slip through the net. There are clients who I absolutely smash it with. And there are clients who I don't kind of click with. That's life. I won't click with everyone. I won't get that acceptance from everyone. I won't get that buy-in from everyone. But I realize and I'm quite, can be quite tough on myself in that regard, but I'm quite, I look at it from a point of view of, there's always a lesson to be learned with, could I have done something differently? And more often than not, there is. And then I kind of look at, right, maybe I wasn't the right person for that person, or maybe they weren't ready to listen to that. Maybe the old me would have said they don't want it enough, but it's not that. It's kind of like, maybe if I point them in the direction of a mental health professional or something like that. Like, I need to get, get better at communicating and potentially listening. And I know I can be better. I know I'm okay at it, but I know there's wiggle room for improvement from all walks of life. That leads me to the next one. I can't help everyone. I can't help everyone. I can't help everyone. And that's a, that was a tough one for me to accept. It's kind of, I look at it from a point of view of, it's some people are ready for change and others are not some people will pick up with what i'm saying some people won't but it's also a case of sometimes people need more help mental health cbt psychiatric help whatever it may be that i can't offer to them i can't help everyone and I know when I first started, I thought I could. I thought that I needed to fix every element of their lives in order to make them lose weight. I was like, nah, I'm literally just being a nosy prick at this stage. But I'm also aware now that as a coach who has helped well over a thousand people at this stage in six years of coaching, which I'm so grateful for, that the people that I've been able to help are in a better place. And the messages that have come in from clients, particularly this Christmas, I don't know if I'm just getting, I'm just tired, or this week in particular when I'm recording this was just one of those weeks where it was message after message. And I'm not saying stroking my ego, but it kind of was stroking my ego. But it's nice to hear these things. That's the acceptance, that validation piece. But there are also clients who I have who are maybe not at that stage of their journey, kind of like, well, what can I do to help them? 
And it's also, it's, it's trying to improve. I can't help everyone. That leads me into the next one. It's okay to be wrong. That's why I review, when a client finishes up, I'm kind of like, well, I make sure it's like, well, have I done everything? Could I have phrased this better? And I remember there was an issue with one of the well, clients and there was a typo on her program that the videos, that the videos or the, 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 the I was designing her program for. And the write up on the exercise was missing a few words. I was incorrect. And I just, she asked me to change it and check it. And I just did, I didn't apologize. She didn't, she took exception to me not apologizing for that. And at the time I reacted quite negatively. I was like, well, why do I need to say sorry? It's sorted. But now looking back, I was kind of like, I should have just said apologies. Like it's all sorted now. But that person kind of, who was with me for a while, got, got annoyed with that. And I, and I, and I kind of, I've since spoken to her and I've apologized, she's apologized because she was going through stuff and she didn't know how to deal with it. And I was kind of like, now this is a small, this maybe seems small and minute and might be overthinking it, but that's the, it's important for me to be okay with being wrong. I don't get it right every single time with clients. Sometimes when I'm doing the client's check-ins, I'm like, oh, I could have said this differently, should have said this differently or whatever. So I know from when I first started to do an the online coaching clients, I'll always look at their check-ins write out notes before and as pointers rather than what I know what some other coaches do is they just go on screen and go blah, 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 and then press, stop press and record. They completely and utterly wing it, which is fine if they're, if they're, if they're, if it's what the client wants and hears, but often it's rambles. So I would get rather give someone a check in on the one-to-one -one coaching of seven minutes of actual wins. What has worked? What can we do better? And a proper strategy to get them to change the next thing for them if they are at that place. Rather than having 15, 20 minutes, which I know other coaches do, 20, 25 minutes of utter crap talking about everything when that overwhelms the client. And maybe they have that kind of client who's maybe a bodybuilder who is at that level of detail. But I know if I gave a 25 minute client episode, which it would be, I would be overwhelming that person. I would be overwhelming that person with so much information, they'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. And like, yeah, but I've had to change that over time. I know it's okay to be wrong with financial stuff. It's okay to be okay, wrong with relationship stuff, with anything that I have done. It's okay to be wrong. I make mistakes, we all make mistakes. The other thing is I can do better. And what I mean by that is, I can be better at everything that I do. Like I know one of the things is, I, one of the things I'm a target with 2024 is to take Spanish lessons. So as I'm recording this, I have the grinds up on my screen to book them in and buy myself some credits as a Christmas present to myself. I want to go back into teaching Spanish. Spanish was one of those things and language was one of those things I was told I was repetitively stupid at in school. I'll never forget one teacher that said it to me. So it's almost a fire in me that I put it off for so long, like 15 years since I left school. No, longer, 17 years, 17 years since I left secondary school. And I haven't, I put that off based on their opinion. Opinions are like ourselves, everyone has one. So 
I'm going back to te- to learn how to speak Spanish. It's going to be tough. There'll be times I get fucking frustrated with it, but I'm not going to do five lessons in a week. I'm going to start off with doing one lesson a week at a time that suits me and that will help me. So I'm going to do it on maybe, I'm going to do it on later on in the week on the Friday where I take half days on Fridays. So that I can, on a Friday afternoon, where I get to have the lecture in front of me, that I can pay attention to it and actually work through it. And that's what I want to do better. I want to be better at improving me. Because sometimes people, when I feel like when Irish people are on holidays, we expect everyone to teach to be able to speak English. I know when I traveled Asia and stuff, there was we were traveling with Belgians and Swiss people. And they were speaking like three, four languages each. And I was always kind of like, man, Irish people need to make more of an effort. So that's why I'm going back to, to, to learn Spanish. That's what I did in Leaving Cert. And that's what I want to go back into now to be able to be able to see where I'm at compared to where I was in November with my pigeon Spanish to where I can be in May when we go back. And then maybe see again in a year from there and see how it grows and grows and grows. It's not to be fluent, it's to be able to have conversational Spanish with people. I know one of my mates, um, Mick McDermott, he, we were down in Cork uh, on a trip away and we were in a pub and we kind of bumped into these people from Galway and then there was a group of Spanish people beside us. He just started speaking Spanish off the cuff and he was able to have conversational Spanish. I've never been more in awe of someone. He was able to have conversational Spanish and I, I was like, holy fuck. And he's been learning it he did travel to South America. He taught us to himself. He did lessons, all these kind of different things. And to be able to have that unique skill will be able to branch out. I know Paul Germany does it. I know a few other people have taught, learned Spanish. And it would be pretty cool to have it. The next one is you are not a tree. And you're like, Shane, what are you talking about? You are not a tree. You can move. You can move. You're not a tree. You're not stuck. To where you're at. If you don't like where you are at right now, you can move. You can take a responsibility to yourself and move if you wish. But no one will move unless they're uncomfortable enough. The people that I see change are uncomfortable with their situation enough that they desperately want to change. As I said, sometimes it can be a too much and too much detrimental to their health. But if the right leverage is there, the right why is there, the right direction is there, and the right support is there, then it, then things can change. So the best example for me is I was caught in a career I didn't want to do. I thought it's what I should be doing because everyone else is telling me to do that. But it wasn't what I wanted, not wasn't what I needed. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I look back at that career and I was like, why did I stick with it for so long? But I had to, I had to learn from that mistakes. I was wrong. It was okay to learn from that mistakes. And it made me realize what was most important to me at that time, which was my mental health. It came with a scare. And I, I literally, back from meeting my auntie there for lunch, I brought her out for lunch. And like we meet up, like we meet up a few times a year because she's been awesome to myself and my brother for, for years. Um, and I just, it's a small thing that I'd like to do, but it makes me feel good, AKA it's a people pleasing thing, acceptance validation. Um, 
But one thing she said, she's kind of looking back and she's saying, Shane, you are like a different person from 2017. Like, different person. She was like, oh, when did you give up drink? Which is one of my other points. And like, do you miss it at all? Or all this kind of stuff. And I was, she was kind of saying, you are a completely different person. Like, I don't know when you had massive stomach issues and what I mean by that. And she was kind of like, oh, I thought I was gluten-free, celiac, couldn't have dairy, all this kind of stuff. And she asked me again, she's like, and I kind of just said to her, yeah, that was uh, depression. That was my stomach was so unhappy because I was so unhappy that it was impacting my relationship with food. It was impacting my relationship with eating and stress. And I just couldn't eat. And all these foods were getting irritated and triggered by it. And I also wasn't eating very well. I wasn't looking after me. So there is a thing called the gut brain axis that when the stomach and the head is not happy, the other one won't be happy. And that's what was happening to me. And now it's like cream and maybe a little bit of spicy food that doesn't really agree with me. But I think they're normal things that um, can happen. It's nowhere near as negative as it used to be. But I have to be mindful of it. I know myself when I'm getting more kind of IBS symptoms, I know it's when I'm getting more stressed, more anxious. And I know there was kind of stuff going on a few months ago and it was impacting. And I was kind of like, I was recognizing, right, if I, I know generally when I'm getting headaches or I'm not sleeping or my stomach is at play, the three of those, one of the three or three of the three, I know something is up. That's generally my tells. And so you, if you're unhappy with where you are at, you can change. If you're uncomfortable enough, you can change and will change. Um, the next one is, and the last one is in relation to giving up drink was the best thing I ever did. So I haven't drank in, and this is one of the sentences I have to say, I wasn't an alcoholic. Chris Williamson said it's the only drug in the world that you that you get ridiculed for not taking. So I gave up drink after I got sick in April 2017 and haven't drank since. I have zero interest. There's the odd time you kind of miss it when you're kind of on holidays and stuff and you want to go for like you want to maybe go for a drink or whatever it is with your partner or whatever it is and but majority of the time like i couldn't think of anything worse i just don't enjoy like i used to drink to escape i used to drink i didn't have a healthy relationship with it i'm not going to say that i did just to reduce stress, to deal with stress, to escape from what was going on, escape reality, numb shit. And people can relate to that and maybe in denial or and they can, may use food, they may use drugs or whatever it may be, but it wasn't in a good place with it. And I gave it up and it just wasn't worth the anxiousness then on the, like for two or three days afterwards. And that's what stopped me from drinking it, to be honest with you. I had to give it up because of the meds that I was on at the time through blood thinners and the depression meds I was on. And I knew it just didn't suit me. I'm sort of someone, I'm someone who has, what would be classified as someone who has quite a type A personality in that once I do something, I go in on it. If I don't want to do something, I don't want to do it. And I found that either I was out for the count, aka out for the night, or I wouldn't be able to have I would, like most some people can relate to this like uh, I find that like you can't have three points and then not end up with coppers like I was in my 20s money was okay and stuff but I, I was just doing that and some people were like oh that's having the crack it's like for you that might be and that's cool 
that works for you great but it just wouldn't align with where i want to be right now it doesn't align with where i want to be are there occasions and stuff that i miss out on maybe the invites that to some events and people i've lost with friends and stuff like that they were drinking friends they weren't friends friends and the zero zeros make life easier and what i mean by that is you can still go out to the pub and have a few drinks of the zero zeros and no one notices shit i know when i first gave up there was a wedding like six months after i gave up and it was tough because people were kind of asking why don't you drink why don't you drink and like they, they kind of knew me as the, a drinker beforehand and i was like i just don't drink but now you'd be kind of like you could put like no one goes around smelling your glass so like my mates don't even bat an eyelid they're like oh well she doesn't drink and i just do it for my own headspace i feel better because i don't do it don't get me wrong when you're driving it also allows you to escape if it's a shit night rather than chasing the night but it allows me to and this isn't coming from a, a place of arrogance or a place of i'm above people it's coming from a place of knowing what i wanted and my mental health is a huge priority to me if i don't have my mental health i've lost it already and i don't want to lose it again don't get me wrong there's times where i really really struggle with my head sometimes i wish it would just dial back a little bit and the, the noise would just stop and there's times i have to catch myself and check in on myself and realize that i need to talk to someone that I need to go and talk to whoever's near me or who is in my inner circle. And there was times that I can't just physically get the words out. So I write them out or I go for a walk. I don't use exercise as a tool for therapy. I use exercise as a way to clear my head, but I don't use it as therapy. And what I found in the last December definitely is I've started walking a lot more without headphones on. And I found that my head is a lot clearer because I'm not taking all this noise in from like I don't listen to fitness and health podcasts in any way anymore. I haven't listened to one for probably about two years. I listen to football podcasts like Peter Crouch or a few different ones, Football Weekly or whatever it is, or Man United podcasts and stuff. And that or Tommy Tiernan or La or that kind of stuff. And they align with where I want to be. That's my escapism. And that walking is an escape for me. And it's kind of nice because the, the route I take in the mornings is down in a state. And no one's really walking around it when I go for a walk. And it's kind of nice just to have the place to yourself, listening to the birds, listening to kind of like whatever's happening. And I do feel better. So like what? I'm recording this on the 13th of the 12th. And... I know that I'd say out of the 13 days, I've probably listened to headphones four days out of the 13 days so far. And I feel a hell of a lot better for it. And some people should try it. It is cool, but it makes you think about things and actually challenge these things. And I feel more rested rather than waking up straight away, going for the walk and putting a noise into my ears or into my head. It's allowed me to reflect on yesterday, did I sleep well? What did I need? What do I need? What do I want? And co contemplate and reflect and use that perspective piece. Look at what has changed, what has worked, what isn't working, what can I improve on? 
and sometimes just thinking and letting these thoughts kind of slip on in and slip back out and not jumping on anything and not being reactive to a lot of things. Like I know there's been a big change today in particular and a few people will know what it is. And regarding work and stuff. And then there's other things that I'm kind of like, well, I need to be able to say to myself, I'm being able to kind of, if I can understand it for me a lot more, well then someone else, I'll be able to explain it a lot more for them and they'll be able to help me more. But sometimes that can kind of like I'll rattle around in my head for so long, it kind of overwhelms me. So it's trying to find that balance. That's what I'm talking about with that communication piece. I'm not a very good communicator. I'm not a very good communicator when it comes to myself. I've had to work hard and I get it wrong. I will get it wrong and I will continue to get it wrong, but I am doing my best. So there's a lot there. The drink thing, I think is one of those things that I'm always conscious of talking about alcohol and drink and stuff like that with the podcast or in general to people because People can think it's coming from a teetotal ivory tower. And I'm like, no, it's coming from a place of, it's more coming from a place of, it works for me. If it doesn't work for you, that's cool. But it works for me and I'm quite at peace with it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I've got who I want and need in my life and I'm very grateful for that and I don't want to lose that. So on that poignant note, I'm going to leave this episode. I've been rambling for 50 minutes nearly. So if you are interested in the Female Fat Loss Program that starts on the 8th of January, click a link in the show notes. If you are out for your walk around Christmas or whenever you are listening to this, I hope you are okay. I hope 2024 brings brings whatever you're looking for. I just wanna say a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to an episode in 2023, shared it, listened to whatever it may be. I hope 2024 goes well for you. Thank you for your support. Thank you to all my clients who have worked with me and I hope you've enjoyed working with me. Thank you to everyone who's been around me this year as well for listening to me and my rants and my challenges and stuff and the support. So if you're interested in the Female Fat Loss Program, click a link on the show notes. Six, eight weeks, 99 euro to change your life. So thank you for listening.